Welcome to the Marketing Agility Podcast, where we discuss all things related to the growing field of Agile marketing. This podcast is co-produced by Frank Days and the Agile Marketing Alliance, so that we can learn, share, and grow together. I'm Jim Yule, and I'll be your host for today's episode. I have the pleasure today of speaking with Joan Davenport of NatWest Bank, who is the planning and performance lead for the Wealth Franchise in their marketing organization. Joan has a deep background in helping technology and finance professionals adopt Agile and lean ways of working. And most recently, she transitioned to helping marketers understand and adopt Agile. And she's going to share her experience in making this transition. Joan, welcome to the show. Jim, thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Um, also, just to call it, I'm here today in a personal capacity. So any views or opinions I've got are completely my own. Got it. Okay. Well, let's get started. Joan, I'm always interested in people's personal journey. How, prior to this current role, how you got started in Agile? what that looked like and what that felt like. Can you share that with me? Absolutely. Well, I guess I've been deeply immersed in Lean and Agile for the past 20, 20 plus plus years. But I actually, believe it or not, started out as a chartered accountant um, back in the 90s. Um, After after qualifying, though, I really quickly realised I wasn't really cut out to be an accountant. So I very quickly moved to what was the Royal Bank of Scotland at the time and started a career in finance change. Um, I was drawn to transformation type activities, you know, operating model changes, process, people change. And I really got immersed in that from the get go. I've always been fascinated, you know, right from the early stage in people psychology. You know, how do you change mindsets and behaviours? How do you build, you know, really high performing teams? So I guess it's no surprise I was drawn at some stage into the agile world. Um, my my first brush with Agile, Jim, was probably back in around about 2009. Um, I was told I was running a technology program and I was, I was uh, told immediately I had to adopt a Scrum approach, whatever that was. And I remember, you know, evenings of Googling what is Scrum, you know, what is a Scrum master um, and trying to do cumbersome burn down charts in Excel. So, you know, that was my kind of my very first leading um, I guess, intro to Agile. Um, about 10 years into my banking career and, and after dabbling in Agile, I was really lucky to get trained up um, within RBS Finance by McKinsey's who were rolling out or helping to roll out lean transformation to RBS Finance. And, you know, with the lean techniques around, you know, again, around mindset, you know, work visualisation, you know, waste and, and using data to really improve process flow, the possibilities for me to, for improving how teams work together were just incredible. So, you know, to me, it just made great common sense, um, helping people work better together, you know, deliver great customer outcomes. And it linked really well with what I knew from Agile. So, so I guess, you know, Jim, after a few years helping finance to adopt lean ways of working, I then moved away from finance. And then I did a few more years in a cross-functional role, working again in lean process improvement. And I guess it was there I realised that these types of improvement methodologies or ways of working are really suitable to all types of functions, not not just one. Um, At that stage, um, the bank was really starting to realise the potential um, that Agile was starting to bring, that there's pockets of it happening. And I was lucky enough to take on the role of Head of People and Capability for what was the Technology Ways of Working programme, which I guess essentially was the introduction of the NatWest version of Scaled Agile, and we called it Idea to Value, and we still do today. 
Um, technology had around 12,000 people globally. And, you know, whilst they had lots of teams dabbling at team level in Agile, this, this three-year programme really helped them to roll out a truly end-to-end -end Agile at scale structure. Um, it was a it was a huge program, you know, it set up multiple new organisational structures, which we called domains and centres of excellence as our COEs. And we, we ended up transitioning a lot of staff from traditional roles into agile roles, you know, scrum masters, release train managers, etc. So, um, you know, that that time in my career involved a huge amount of work on mindsets, you know, at all levels. Um, it was incredibly rewarding and inspiring. But I guess especially as we had some really fantastic senior leader agile role models, you know, I, I saw firsthand how what a leader says and how they say it, say it does really impact a transformation. Um, I also saw how challenging it can be for teams who, you know, have previously operated in specialist roles in a traditional hierarchy type environment to suddenly be told you're now self-organised, go, go be empowered. You know, I saw how difficult that was. And I saw how difficult it can be for people to, to get to shift them from focusing on outputs and, and instead thinking about outcomes. So for me, that those three years were, were truly transformational for me and um, from an adult perspective. The penny really dropped. This was a huge capability shift as well as mindsets, along with everything else that you know, Scaled Agile brings. Um, I guess that particular time also highlighted to me how critical it really is to have a Scaled Agile model if you're in a large organisation. You know, certainly having some pockets of teams dabbling in Agile is, is great, you know, and, and I'm sure uh, areas are doing that. But I think you only get the true benefit when you really lean into changing the org structure, um, you know, changing that end-to-end -end operating model, looking at the skills. And, and I guess for big organisations and large banks like us setting up the inevitable governance structures um, and also getting people at the very top to really change what they say and do. So it really it really drove home that, you know, embedding Agile at scale, it's not a one to two year journey. Um, it, it takes a lot longer to bring people on that journey to change the mindsets, you know, I guess change the culture you know it was really tough um, but hugely rewarding and lots of learnings I guess um, after <laughs> yeah it was, a, it was a great time so after then I moved into what was a newly established um, business agility COI which had been set up um, for the bank to really to get a bit more consistency about how the bank was adopting agile um, and then this merged into a new bank-wide customer journey transformation team so so I had a fantastic couple of years really upskilling and getting more experience in the much broader world of customer journey transformation, which, of course, includes Agile, but, you know, is, is a key part of the way of working, but it includes so much more. So this is really where I learned and had my aha moment of how critical the marketing function really was and actually how I really had very little exposure to them. Um, you know, so so really that's that's what brought me brought me here so far. <laughs> Well, Joan, you said so much, and I, I want to dive down on a few things that you said. One of the things you said is that people struggle a little bit to move from an output-based model to an outcome-based model. Do, do you have any tips or thoughts about how to, how to move people, from that, make that mental shift from outputs to outcomes? That's a great question. Um, so it's interesting, and I think in larger organisations, probably like ours, people get really focused on working very hard and having to show what they've delivered, and it needs to be something tangible. It needs to be a report or something. It needs to be a deliverable. They're, they're driven by lots of, you know, what deliverables are you driving this month for? Are you achieving this month? And actually getting them to stop and say, you know, forget what it is you're delivering. Forget what the output is. What, what behavioural change are you trying to land by this? 
And the first time you ask that question, they'll probably they'll probably sit in silence because it's probably one. You know, they probably haven't thought about that. And yeah. some of them, it, 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 they really struggle. And some of you know, some all all levels struggle with that. And I think getting them to think about you know what is the actual thing you're trying to achieve, and on almost you know sometimes mimicking mimicking a bit of the kind of famous five five wise model. You know, well, okay, you're trying to achieve that. So why are you actually trying trying to achieve that? And actually by by asking them why a few times, you eventually get to what is at the core of what the capability shift is, and that's the outcome. And it's only when you you lay that out and help them see that 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 really they start the penny drops. You know, I, I I think you've got right at the heart of it because a lot of times when people think outcomes, they're thinking numbers, right? They're thinking, yeah. you know, new customers or more loans or you know, more uh, accounts opened or whatever it is, you know, but some kind of measurable thing. But what you said was behavior. What is the behavior that you want to see happen that, of course, leads to those metrics, right? I mean, the behavior might be opening an account or the behavior might be whatever it is, but it, it, it's really important to uh, focus on that behavior. Another thing that you said uh, was about doing this in a large organization and that, you know, you, you kind of had to develop your own way of doing that. Can you tell us a little bit about how you created a governance structure, how you, I know it's a big question, but, but how you organized you know, 12,000 people to get them focused in the same way? I think ultimately it's 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 well we, we obviously used um, certain facets so we were hugely influenced by you know the kind of scaled agile model as well but we wanted something that was actually going to work for us and actually I think we were also slightly worried that if you just take um, if you take the cookie cutter approach and take an off the shelf approach people then follow things by rote and they don't start to actually think for themselves and that was one yeah. of the reasons I mean partly because we had a quite complex governance that we really needed to think about a different governance model or slightly different governance model but actually it was also to get people thinking and actually it was taking people on a journey around you know we don't have this full model in black and white at every level of data on day one you're going to help us deliver and actually develop and evolve the model as we as, as we go through and that's exactly what's happened um, and I guess you know to your point around how do you get you know the volume of people again it's 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 thinking about the mindset so we did a we did a lot of work on mindsets even before some of the organizational change things actually happen because these take time you know they take a time to happen because of the kind of HR implications and we spent probably the first you know, first year, couple of years, really homing in on leaders and teams' mindsets and really warming up people to getting them to think differently and getting them curious. Um, you know, giving them some really simple learning that they could, you know, just they could just to just to whet their appetite um, before we really kind of started diving in. Um, and I think it was just you know how you how you do little and often and actually start introducing those concepts to some of the people that have never seen this stuff before it's very very new it's a different way and I guess governance obviously you know develops over time you know so we've we've ended up developing a governance model that works for us um rather rather than say just taking a lift and shift approach from the from from the bookshelf yeah I I you've hit on so many themes that I think are so important you know, people sometimes they start a transformation and they think that means a big reorg right right then and it's a usually a big reorg that management has imposed on on people and what i heard you say is that that governance structure grew over time and you wanted people to help create that governance structure and that 
you know, how you think about working together themselves, because, you know, people are going to support what they help create. And that that's yeah. important is that they help yeah. create and, it. It's and not it's, imposed on. Go ahead. Yeah. And I guess it's, you know, it's using some of the agile sort of fundamentals, you know, it's, we're helping. So I guess in our case, these were a customer, you know, in terms of what we were doing. We were yeah. bringing them on the journey, getting them to collaborate, you know, truly collaborate with them. So it, it was it was just really fundamental to the way that we, we actually introduced it. Yeah. Adopt Agile in an Agile fashion, you know, start small yeah. and iterate and, and keep going. Yeah. And focus on your customer. You know, that's that's key. So what brought you into the marketing realm? How did you, you you'd been working with IT and tech people. How did you get into the current marketing environment? Gosh, so so early last year, I guess I was looking for a new challenge. Um, and I, I'd previously done, you know, quite a bit of scrum master type work and as a qualified agile coach. So um, although I'd been involved in in helping set up the release chain manager role, as as we called it within within um, I guess um that West, I'd never actually done it. So I kind of thought, well, look, I'm gonna be coaching people. There's no better way than actually, you know, getting into the detail and actually living, you know, living it yourself and and learning it so I am um, at that time marketing were advertising a role for that and marketing within NatWest um, as a function had just recently gone through their own agile transformation about maybe 12 12 18 months earlier so and I guess Jim bear in mind at this point I knew absolutely nothing about marketing you know I could literally write it on a postage stamp and you know other than I knew that they had an amazing alignment so what sorry their need for alignment with the business and a customer journey world is absolutely critical so I kind of absolutely knew that and I had this new sense of these these guys are really really important I also think I had a perception that marketing people were kind of quite fun and creative people. And I, I guess I was hoping some of that might actually rub off on me, I guess, and inspire me. So so um, in terms of the NatWest marketing function itself, it's in terms of sizing, it's got around 250 people um, working in it. We've got a mix of franchise facing teams. You mentioned I, I face off to the wealth, wealth franchise. We've also got some central centers of excellence. Um, you know, we there's a wide variety of marketing card across all different channels. And we work with a range of internal and external partners to, to kind of do this. So, yeah. So we often get asked about what are the differences between adopting agile in IT and adopting agile in marketing? And you've lived both. How would you characterize the similarities and the differences between adopting agile in IT and, and adopting it in marketing? Well, that's, you know, that's a great question. Uh, you know, before I joined, I, I was told marketing, you know, is a very different environment. Um, you know, for example, you know, they've got their own set of marketing agile values, their own manifesto. I was, I was told, you know, what works in IT or finance, you know, is going to be very different to marketing. And, and early on, you know, I also heard a lot of people in marketing telling me, you know, we are different. We just need to do things slightly differently here. And, you know, and I have to say, I, I have heard that's so much from teams over the years. I think if I had a penny for everyone who said we're different, this won't work here. I'd be incredibly sure. wealthy at this stage. But the actual reality I find is, you know, whilst in traditional IT, Agile helps them, okay, it delivers IT change, you know, more frequently, more quickly, et cetera. The core of it is actually about people working together in teams. It's about the mindsets, the processes, and, you know, breeding that culture of understanding and planning and tracking work, you know, getting that quick feedback loop and a really regular and honest reflection and learning, you know, through using data. So I find marketing's actually no different. You know, it's right. all about people working together in teams. It's it's about how empowered they feel um, and how capable they are to self-manage themselves. It's 
you know, it's about working, working and partnering, I guess, with a customer to speed up the end-to-end -end processes. So, and in, in our case, often it's with external third parties. And it's about improving the quality of the, out, you know, the outcomes and the outputs. So in this case, it's, it just happens to be adverts, comms and content, you know. But, it, you know, through that regular reflection and learn and leaning in, actually, to how they can truly improve, that's what it's about. So for me, I found it's, you know, there's a lot of similarities there. Yes, there are differences, but there's a huge amount of similarities. Yeah, I think in particular, when you start with mindset rather than methodology, right? And, mm -hmm. and then it becomes all about people and it becomes about changing, you know, and, 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 and helping people adopt an agile mindset. So spot on, has, spot on. Has there been anything surprising about implementing agile in marketing that you found? <laughs> That's another great question. I think I think what surprised me the most actually was um, just how volatile and the extent of volatility in the, the the marketing environment, you know, the changing, the speed of changing business requirements and, and how quickly the marketing function are really expected, you know, to react. And I guess particularly given we're in a, you know, banking, you know, heavily regulated industry. And I guess what it means from a practical perspective, you know, that no matter how well a team plans, you know, a relatively high percentage of what they do in that fortnightly sprint, say, I guess if you're working a fortnightly sprint, you know, it can end up being ad hoc and it can feel quite, um, you know, reactive and quite, quite difficult. So, so I think teams, what I see teams are starting to learn that, you know, instead of planning to say their typical 80% capacity for a fortnight sprint, they, they're really needing to think about that amount of um, ad hoc unplanned work that just typically comes in um, and is getting more and more common. Um, and they need to maybe plan to down to 50%, 60%, just to allow the capacity for those inevitable pivots that, you know, are potentially required mid-sprint. So it's it's certainly something I've, I've been surprised at. I guess the other thing I find... Um, a lot of people, a lot of a lot of people get confused and assume agile is Scrum, mm -hmm. and this is something that I've I've it's it's you know and I've come across before, but it's, it's really coming across you know quite strongly here. So, you know, Scrum is one methodology, it's one approach to agile, and it's and it's very successful in certain conditions. But, you know, we are using Scrum across our marketing teams. You know, for me at the minute, given the amount of volatility and the the amount of um sort of change. You know, the, the jury's out as to whether Scrum really is the most appropriate way, but, you know, given the extent of all these ad hoc requests, but you know, time will tell, I guess. Um, I guess what, what, what didn't surprise me, though, um, Jim, was that, um, and I guess marketing people, no different to non-marketing people, they just sometimes don't see the difference between doing agile and being agile. Mm -hmm. And by that, you know, and it's a really interesting thing, so it's, and it's something that's so important. So sometimes I think, it's easy for people to get blindsided by, you know, very, the various physical representations of Scrum, you know, so the ceremonies, the meetings, stand-ups, sprint planning, retros, whatever, you know, representing work as cards on a Kanban board. But, you know, they, they get caught up in that's agile and doing that is doing, doing agile. But actually, it's much harder to get people to realise that agile is just that mindset as you talk about. It's those values and techniques and and living and breathing your agile adoption through those on a day-to-day -day basis, that's where the magic really starts to happen. So uh, that hasn't surprised me, I guess, to, <laughs> to answer your question. <laughs> yeah, that's such an important distinction. You know, we don't do agile for the sake of just doing it. We don't do it to, yeah. you know, put cards on a Kanban board or, you know, hold those various ceremonies or whatever. We do it to be agile, to be responsive when those things, yeah. as you as you mentioned, marketing inevitably has work that interrupts and pivots and so forth. And so, 
Uh, I think teams do have to find their own way of working that allows them to be agile, to respond quickly to change, to, you know, adapt to the inevitable changes, uh, you know, in a, in a two week period of, of what your priorities are and that sort of thing. So, um, so you made that transition from coaching and working with IT people to marketing. Do you have any guidance that you'd give to others who are experienced in the IT side of Agile who want to work with marketing teams? I would just, I would hugely recommend it. I've absolutely loved it. You know, like every area, marketing has its own share of, you know, tricky, unusual terminology and acronyms. But again, at the end of the day, it's about people and teams. It's about end-to-end processes that are reliant on that underlying data and that understanding, you know. So, the skills that you learn working, whether you're an IT or any other type of agile, is they're really transferable. Um, I guess that the one tip I would say is, you know, don't come in with that agile purist view. You know, it's very easy, particularly if you're a trained agile coach. You know, you think that you have to follow the textbook. You know, you you actually don't. You know, and thinking about the words that you use to not overcomplicate things is really important. I've I've found that to be particularly um, really important. You know. <laughs> Jim, at the end of the day, agile is just a lot of common sense. When you break it down into the fundamentals, the simple stuff, you know, when you take out the jargon, it just makes sense, you know, and when you start to explain that to people, you know, they actually get it. So that would be my kind of guidance. Keep it really simple. Yeah, and I tell people to cool it on the agile language, you know. (laughs) Don't, don't, you know, try to explain to people, like, what's the difference between pigs and chickens in a a standard, right? (laughs) I mean, that's my favorite example of going overboard on on, uh, agile language. It's so true, though. It's so true. So uh, every organization has its share of resistors, right? I mean, you know, people who... (laughs) Agile over my dead body, you know. I mean, they don't literally say that, but do you have a story about a resistor and 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 what happened, and if you were able to overcome that resistance? Gosh, yes, I, I certainly, sure, like yourself, come across a lot of resistors over the years. I think one of the more, more recent memorable ones was actually one to do with the marketing department I joined. So not not long after I started, um, there was a new guy joined one of the teams, and you know very very capable of what he did but very quickly he was quite openly honest around his views that he'd only really ever seen agile work in it and he was a marketeer and just couldn't really see how it was going to be relevant for what he was doing and just just didn't didn't get it um and after the first few months um you know he, he was just really struggling so i kind of i guess unconsciously put him on that list of people i need to catch up with at some point you know grab a coffee to influence and then about, you know, a few weeks, about a month later or so, the team scrum master moved on and they asked someone else to put their hand up to volunteer to step in and get trained. And when I heard he had volunteered and was going to be the scrum master, my first thought was, this is going to be interesting. Right. Um, you know, nevertheless, you know, we, we started doing, you know, weekly coaching sessions, learning sessions, and I passed him, you know, various learning modules like you do and, and reading. And, you know, every week, you know, he, he faithfully had done the, the learning, he'd done the reading and, you know, he came along to the coaching sessions with just some amazing questions, you know, you know, why, you know, why doesn't, you know, why doesn't that happen? You know, why does this happen? And it, they were just really, really thoughtful questions. And actually, the more he watched and the more he read and understood, he just had this incredible thirst to learn. And it was like this big light bulb moment. Um, and actually, what was what I do remember is having this fantastic conversation with him Um Really recently, just around mindset, where he himself recognised, you know, he had absolutely shifted mindset, you know, pretty much 180 degrees, you know, literally, 
uh, from from starting the role and three months on he's probably one of our strongest advocates now and, and he's, he's actually just been recognized um for the amazing work he's doing so you know i i find with resistors and i'm sure you, you do too that when you actually sit down with them and, and listen to them and i mean truly listen to them with you know both ears open widely open to what if you think about what they're thinking and and, and why they're thinking that and what their day-to-day problems and challenges are when you explain in simple, non-agile terms um, about actually, you know, how some of those fundamentals of, ad, of the agile toolkit can maybe help them, I think they very slowly start to come on that journey, very, very slowly. And I think the other the other thing I'd recommend is is taking them, you know, showing them another team, another person that's maybe further down that journey, someone who can show them that actually the benefits that it's actually, I think sometimes, you know, no matter how great a, a coach you are, you know, when they actually see somebody else, they recognise another peer who's doing it and they're getting the benefits. It just makes a difference and that, that, that can really help as well. Yeah, uh, that, that, is, that is so wise. Well, Joan, thank you so much for sharing all your stories and, and your wisdom with us. Um, it's been fantastic. You've got a great story to tell. Thank you so much, Tim. It's been an absolute pleasure.